You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales, David Flowers, Tony Groves, William Gibson, and special guest, uh, Josh Stiles. Hey, guys. Good evening. So how's it going? So hey, hey. Well, season started. Uh, we'll get into it, but let's first meet our special guest, Josh Stiles. Hey, uh, tell us about when you started on iRacing and how did you hear about it? Um, I first started on iRacing at the end of 2014, and the way I heard about it was through Ian Plash. Um, Ian and I were pretty good friends at around that time, and I saw him running, you know, trying to do road to pro kind of races. And uh, I looked into it more because I was really interested in sim racing because from that point, you know, before I got on iRacing, I was just on like Forza and Gran Turismo and things like that. And, of course, that's not the same thing. But uh, the way User I heard about it was just do that. And since 2014, I've been, I've been pretty consistently active. Uh, I don't have very many wins, and I don't really do too many official races, but I still have fun with it. Awesome. All right. Yeah, I've heard of Ian Plash. I used to race with him back in the day somewhere. I, that name certainly rings a bell. Well, how often are you racing these days, and what series are you running? Um, really, how often I race now is maybe a few times a week, maybe three or four times a week. Um, I'm trying to stick to ovals, but I'm also really trying to get into uh, road racing, too. Road racing is not my forte. I'm good at left turns. I'm not good at left and right turns. All right. Very good. Uh, tell us about uh, hardware. So what do you have for, like, wheels, pedals, and, like, do you have monitors or you VR? Uh, I have an Oculus Rift. I bought it basically specifically for racing. Uh, I also use a Logitech G920. Uh, before that, I had a Logitech G27, and I had that thing heavily modified. But uh, eventually, I, I just decided I wanted to get something that I could still use on my Xbox One as well. Um, so I bought the G920, and it's been holding up really well ever since. Very good. Uh, what about like third-party software? Um, are you overlaying anything in the goggles, or just no, like no, nothing like that? Um, I, I just keep it bare bones. Uh, I adjusted the uh, like just the things that you have on the screen in iRacing to be at you know more of an eye level instead of having to look around. I can basically see everything I need to in a really compact space in my eyes, which is really nice. Right. All right, cool. Um, what about leagues uh, or team? Or are you a loner out there? Uh, who do you run with? Um, when it comes to teams, um, I've, I've been a part of a couple teams, but nothing, you know, nothing serious. Uh, leagues, I was a part of Full Throttle Sim Racing earlier last year. Uh, since then, I haven't really been a part of any like any league or any teams. I'm just kind of doing my own thing and trying to learn that way. All right, cool. And uh, tell us about your most memorable iRacing moment. My most memorable iRacing moment was probably when I got my very first win in the trucks. Um, I'd been I'd been on iRacing for maybe about five months or so. And uh, basically going into Talladega, like this was Talladega, you expect it to be a crapshoot. And I've done I've done races at Talladega, you know, officially multiple times, and I always got wrecked out 
probably on the last lap. Like I'd be leading coming to the checkered, and then as soon as you hit the trioval and you're on the inside line, uh, I would get loose coming off the corner and I would spin and you know probably take out a couple of cars too. But uh, the very first win I ever got, I, I was talking to one of the guys and he's just like, "Listen, I'm just going to push you. You you follow a line, and I'll, I'll be right behind you. Don't even bother looking behind you." And he, he pushed me to his to you know my first win, and that was the coolest thing. I, I burned it down, and I was screaming on the radio afterwards. Just like I, I was ecstatic that I finally had gotten a win at Talladega, even at all places. Yeah, yeah. The first one is always a good uh, good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Wait till you win a big race like uh, like we're going to talk about, like the Daytona 500. It's a it's a much bigger deal than a normal hourly race but yeah that is a big moment for sure the first ones uh i took a look at your stats uh you've been around since 2015 uh your winning percentage 2.1 percent on oval so it looks like you want to get that up a little bit yeah a little bit (laughs) it's not too bad i mean i think most people are at three every time i look at this uh there is an average somewhere so you're pretty close to it uh, but yeah, so welcome to the podcast, Josh. Uh, I know you raced with, uh, our teammate here, Chris Scales, uh, the other night and, um, we'll be talking about that. So let's get into it. Uh, the NASCAR iRacing series visited Daytona 500. Uh, I'll start out, uh, Wednesday fixed, uh, the first race P23. And this is kind of how my week went. Uh, was running top 10 until about lap 150. Got ran over from behind, and that was kind of a theme this week. Um, I was all over the guy verbally, telling the guy, checking, they're checking, you know, don't push, there's nowhere to go. We're all in a single file lane. We're going down the back stretch, and he's just dumping me, driving right through me, not lifting at all when everybody else is lifting. And uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, are they asleep? Are they looking at their phone? You know, I know the single file racing is boring, but come on. I mean, just run over the guy in front of you. And that's exactly what happened. And I called him out for it, too. I I, I verbalized after he dumped me what I thought about it. Um, later, um, that guy did send me a private message with an apology, though, which uh, I guess that makes it a little bit better. Uh, Will, you ran too, uh, and you got wrecked out too. Tell us what happened there. Yeah, no, it um, just I dodged a really good wreck going into one and two, like like lap ten. Uh, a guy was blinking, so it was one of those netcode things, I think. And then by I think it was like lap twenty five, twenty six, we were in a single file line down the back straightaway. First and second were pushing each. Pretty much spun second place out right at the end of the back straightaway and everybody went everywhere and there was just nowhere for me to go. So just one of those kind of racing deals. And that was my only start. I, um, I'm not a big fan of the Daytona type of racing. It's fun when it goes good, but it seems to go bad more often than not. But yeah, I just did that one start and I'm not even sure exactly where I finished, but I didn't even make the lap 30. Yeah, it was early. It was an early wreck. I remember that. Yeah, that's how kind of the way Daytona goes. Uh, Wednesday open, Wednesday night, I finished my best result, P8. Uh, ran top 10, uh, top 5 most of the race, really. Uh, I was 4th at the near the end, I think, with like 3 or 4 to go. 
and I kind of blew it. I floated up a little bit and left enough gap for the guy to go under me, and he did. And I didn't realize it, and it wrecked me out. And so of P8 it was. I was in position. I was kind of in getting myself in position to win that race. So my confidence is still super high because I got up there. I was going to be, you know, in a spot to win the 500, and I just made a mistake, you know, and I just blew it. But overall, it was a good result, a race for me and still a top 10, I guess. Um, teammate Chris Perez ran with us that night. He got a P9. Uh, I don't know who else ran Wednesday or even Thursday. Uh, Thursday night, Justin uh, Laird, our teammate, he did run the Thursday fixed, uh, finished uh, 11th, one lap down. And, uh, boy, the attrition was something, especially in those lower splits. I also ran uh, Thursday night. Um, in the fixed series, but that was a, a terrible race. <laughs> kind of, I made it to lap 50 before I got wrecked out. I got, um, I, I was, uh, passing a lapped car and there's a guy right behind me and I went up, it, the guy stayed to the bottom. So I went, I moved high to, to make the pass. And the other guy, uh, went high a little late and clipped me, spun me, um, put me into the wall. And I went and got some damage fixed. It wasn't too bad, but I don't know, about five or ten laps later, my motor blew, and I just called it quits there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a brutal to wait that 30 minutes and whatnot. And so that was Thursday. Um, Friday night, uh, open. Uh, Tyler Conroy, P3. He had a huge run out of, la- uh, out of two on the last lap. Uh, if he had help, he probably would have won it. Um, I think I watched the end of that race and was kind of coaching him along. Uh, not, a, I mean, he was in position to win, but he just didn't have the right kind of help around him. So Tyler almost won Friday night, um, and he's had a, a hell of a week. We'll, we'll go over the rest of his results. Chris, first, let's hear about your race. Uh Solid top ten, a uh, P seven. Well, it was it was a, a P seven because nobody in those lower splits can finish the race. <laughs> it seemed like every race, only the top five cars ended up on the lead lap. I think I was four laps down. I think I got ran into. I didn't have any major accidents. I just got ran into a few times uh, during the race, and the truck kept getting banged up and didn't have the cautions to fix it, and went a couple laps down. But like I said, I got ran into a few times. Got apologized to every time, and. That's nice, but you kind of just wish they wouldn't run you run into you in the first place, you know, 30 laps into the race. Yeah, it's crazy out there. Um, uh, teammate Craig Hawkins, he finished P9 after starting almost dead last. Uh, brought it home clean, so good top 10 for him as well. And then, Sun, I don't know who ran Saturday. Did anybody run Saturday? I ran. I It wasn't a notable race I, I know i got a, i finished the race i believe it was probably like a p12 something like that it was just another one of those just getting knocked around and just hanging hanging out there i think that p7 was my best open and i think the sunday race was my best fixed i think i ran six races <laughs> uh, in the course of the week i think i told david last night you know what i what i lack in talent i just make up for in termination <laughs> just keep racing until you get one 
you just make up for in craziness, man. You ran five <laughs> Daytona 500. That's a lot of You're miles. Crazy. Wow. 2,500 miles. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that might be. I might have a problem. Look, you do. You do. <laughs> well, you were hunting you, that you win. all the way across the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, I know I've only been around for a few months, and so I know going into the season there's going to be a lot of tracks. I haven't, you know, put tires on. And I'm not going to get a lot of wins, but I know Daytona and Talladega, I've already had a couple of wins there, and I, I knew that if I had a, that was probably my best chance at getting one, so I, I hit it really hard this week. Yep. All right, and then Sunday was the big day for the team. Uh, we'll start out with uh, David. Why don't you tell us about your race? You got yourself a top 10. Good job. Yeah, I got myself a top 10, but if things had gone different, I'd have gotten myself a top three. I was running with the leaders all race, and like every time uh, all three of us ran, we kept pulling away from the pack and pulling away from the pack, and there was a late caution, and Will was crew chief for me, and then he had to go to work, and I they they we were coming on the outside, and they pulled down in front, and I had nowhere to go. And the guy, when they pulled down, they pulled off the air off his front nose. He got loose, so he bumped me. So caution came out. I went in, got my 15 seconds fixed damage, and, and got back behind the leaders and went to go again. And under caution, some dude comes up and just door slams me. And I'm like, what the hell? And he sent me an apology, I guess, later, but like, then my car was messed up and somebody else completely door slammed me, put me on the wall on the inside. And, you know, I did my eight minutes worth of repairs and got back out there. And that's how I salvaged my top 10, 16 laps down. But I could have very easily been third that race. I was that fast. Yeah. I reckon under caution, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the two cars ahead of us, they were kind of, I think they were teammates or they were working really well together. And, they were just a tiny bit quicker than us, but yeah, we were definitely the class of the field, the three of us. And then the incident happened, and that guy hit us under caution. So at that point, I had to bounce and go go to work, but it was still a uh, still a fun experience. I mean, it it tore up my left front fender, and once that happened, I it killed my speed. I couldn't draft. Yeah, it doesn't take much. So Tyler Conroy also ran Sunday Open. And wins the day fi- Daytona 500. Now, I actually came in with like uh, 20 to go and spotted for him. Uh, was kind of coaching him along there. And uh, he got it done. He did it clockwork. Uh, uh, it was a really good win. He has definitely got the skills, I tell you what. So congrats to Tyler. He was excited to get a, a win in the, the Open uh, 500. Um, Sunday morning there. Uh, James uh, O'Brien also ran. Uh, he uh, started 31st, moved all the way to the lead at one point, but settled in the top seven. Uh, Lafcar wrecked half the pack with 30 to go, and he finished 10th. Now, he was in a strength of field of uh, about 4,000. So, good job for him. So, like most people in our team seem to have gotten their top 10s. Let's talk uh, Sunday Fix, the final uh, event of the uh, 500. Um, I guess, Chris, let's start with you and Josh. And and what a crazy race. I mean, you guys are 
running one two at the end when i i showed up late and you're running one two and there's nobody else in the picture josh is leading chris you're second and i start coaching chris a little bit you know i giving chris some ideas okay hey if it's just the two of you you need to do x y and z and so chris tell us how that went yeah, I think uh, I think uh, he probably saw some of that X Y Z in the mirror. But oh, yeah, we got. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, My yeah, spotter saw it, and he was telling me all about it. Uh, yeah, so it was just the two of us, and really, I think we were the only two cars in left in the field that had you know, had uh, a full race car. That Everybody we could make it up. all the way yeah. on on these cars with arrow. Yeah, and um, I I came down to uh, probably. What would you say? Maybe 30, 20 laps to go? Yeah, and we were running all by go. ourselves. It was about 40 to go. And so um, with about five or six laps to go, I you know, probably spent 10 or 15 laps just trying to figure out how I was going to make the pass, trying to figure out exactly where I was going to let off. You were off. trying to get the run. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, were, you, sure. were, you, were, you were getting back, and then just <laughs> as quickly you would come back. And my spotter he was just like, he's, he's really trying to get a run on you. You need to stick to your low line. Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just sitting, yep, waiting for that last lap, and but about like like I said, five or six laps to go. Um, you kind of just pulled off the track. You want to take it from there? All right. So this this is the fun part of the story. So, a- as a person, I have I have incredible anxiety issues that I've I've worked on a lot. They've gotten a lot better, but when I've won races on iRacing in the past, it has never been so intense as the Daytona Five Hundred. So for most of the race, I was playing it super conservative and I didn't really push my way up to the front until about, uh, probably about lap 120 or so, just to make sure I was up at the front. And anyway, as the race was going on, the laps were winding down, I was, I was starting to hyperventilate a little bit, but I was able to knock it back down. But once about lap 185, 190 came around, my body started to just get on the, the one track mind of, we're going to win the Daytona 500. Oh my God, we're going to win the Daytona 500. How the hell are we going to win the Daytona 500? And just that forever. And uh, it got so bad to where I, like, I started hyperventilating really, really bad just because I was, I was freaking out about if I can hang on for five more minutes, I've got this race won. That's called counting your chickens before they hatch, obviously. But anyway, so... At about lap 195 or so, uh, I start hyperventilating really, really bad, and I start to lose feeling and control of my hands. They started locking in a really weird way, and I couldn't get them moving again. And then it, at about what what was it about lap 196 when I pulled up? Like when I pulled yeah. off the track? Yeah, it was four to yeah, go. So, yeah. Yeah. So 196. That was when I, I basically just lost control of my arms, and I had to forcefully move my wheel over. Like I had to put a lot of force into it to move my arm and uh i i i was trying to stomp on the brakes but of course my body's in like meltdown mode and i couldn't really figure out so i was just like tapping on my brake until i stopped and then i immediately like as soon as i stopped the car i took off my oculus and i took off my headset i leaned over my steering wheel and i was just gasping for breath just trying to you know make my body calm down and my spotter brandon like thank thank God he was there. He's like, dude, if you need to pull over, do it right now. Like I don't I don't want you having some kind of medical emergency. I don't want you passing out while while you're racing because that that wouldn't be fun for you. Wouldn't be fun for anybody. So uh, 
I, I, I pulled over and immediately after he's like, dude, I'm so proud of you for, for at least you, you made it this far. We, we could, we almost had this race won, but it doesn't really matter. Like that race would have meant everything to me if I would have won it. But at the same time, you know, I, I wanted to be okay at the end of it. And if that's how actual NASCAR drivers feel at the end of the Daytona 500, I am grateful I'm not one of them. <laughs> so have you run a long race like that before? I mean, did you know what you were in for with the four-hour race? Honestly, I this is the longest race I ever ran at Daytona. And honestly, like, I, I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Like, I, I've done long enough race, like 120 laps at Daytona. You know, not, nothing, you know, not 500 miles. I've never done that before in a race. But it, it it was just kind of cut and dry. I'm just like, all right, sit in my chair. Uh, you know, don't ever let go of the gas for four and four and a half hours. And I, I didn't know what I was expecting. I didn't know what I was in for, but I just knew I wanted to be a part of it. This is the first time I've ever been a part of the 500. Uh, every year for the last couple of years, I haven't been able to be a part of it because of either work or something like that. And this year, I was I was dead set on being a part of it. Okay, so let me get this straight. So. You're leading the Daytona 500, and with four to go, you pull over because you're hyperventilating, basically, and you can't breathe right. And I, can't, it, I couldn't and now, breathe. Is it just the stress of, hey, I'm about to win? Yeah. I, I see him. Now, so when I heard about this, when Chris and I were talking about it, I was like, I wonder if it was because we were trying to slingshot him and work on a pass. No. That uh, got him nervous enough to be in that condition oh no 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 absolutely not uh my spotter brandon he he was he was telling me everything you guys were doing he's like they're they're they're, they're pulling back and coming up they're like they're trying to get a run just keep that in mind just keep it in mind and i, I was looking behind like i was looking at my rearview mirror i was like how the hell are these guys gonna get a run on me when i've got the inside line and the outside line doesn't work very well unless you have a line there's a way to do it. And so don't I was don't telling, tell me that now. <laughs> well, I was telling Chris, I, I wasn't even watching until the very end, but I was telling Chris how to do it. I call it a slingshot move. When there's just two cars, you can't time it just right. And Chris was really close to having it perfected, I think, right before you pulled off. You were going back and forth. Like, like I, I, I was looking at you and I'm like, he's really like for like 20 something laps. You were trying this out. Like, you were just trying to get a feel for where I was, really. Yeah, it was pretty much just trying to figure out where to start it, where where to kind of shove you off and drop back so I could make sure I made the pass at the right time. Because, yeah, it was, uh, man, it was really easy, actually, just to drop off, and I would get such a huge run with just the two of us. I mean, you were kind of a sitting duck. I really thought what was going to happen at the end of the race, I was going to get that run. You were going to, you know, you were going to, pull up to block me and it was going to be like an awesome deal and deal. I was like, oh no, we were, we were I wrecking across the we wreck. <laughs> I was not going to move. I had that dead set in my mind. I was never going to move from that spot. Inside line was going to be mine. And I, if you went to the outside, I would hope to God, I got a better run coming off a of turn four. Yeah. I mean, I really, I wish we could erase it out. Yeah. It's unfortunate how it ended obviously, but man, that just shows you how intense, you know, the simulator is. I mean, you're just sitting here in front of a computer. You're not even in a real car. Yeah. And, it's just, yeah, I mean, everybody's, you know, maybe not to that extreme, but everybody, probably every one of us in here has gotten to the point where, you know, we're just sweating like crazy and Dude, our hearts pounding, our hands are shaking. Like, I, I okay, I haven't had a, a severe anxiety attack like, like the one I had on Sunday night in about five years. And it was for something that actually mattered. 
as opposed to, you know, a, a race on iRacing, where if I lose, okay, I lose. That's fine. But this was the Daytona 500, man. This is the 500. I'm not going to give up the 500. Well, lo and behold, I give up the 500. <laughs> way, way to go, Chris. Way to call it a medical emergency. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> well, you know, you're not the only guy there, Josh. Now, I haven't gotten to the point where I pulled over. But I tell you what, there's been some races I've been in where I'm fighting for the win. We're coming down to the end. And I'm shaking like a leaf. I mean, I'm sweating. You know, I'm breathing heavy. If you took my pulse, I'm sure it was like 130. I mean... It happens. I mean, and that's a normal response. So, yeah, I mean, when when it came down to it, I mean, like I said, I've won races in the past, but they like, sure, you know, I'm shaking like crazy and I'm freaking out, but just because of the circumstances that it was the Daytona 500 made it that much more intense for me, because I've got five minutes left in this race, five minutes, and if I can at least hold the lead for the next five minutes, I might have this race won, and. It's the 500. Like, I, I was telling my spotters, like, if I win this, this is something I could put on my iRacing biography, which I haven't put anything on there yet because I haven't really accomplished too much of anything that I would consider awesome. But just just because it was the 500, and I really wanted so bad to win that. And I, I like, at the, like, toward the end of it, like, 20 to go, I, I was visualizing, I'm like, how am I going to celebrate this win? How am I going to do that? Yeah, it ain't over till it's over. But yeah. uh, well, next time it'll be that much sweeter if you can get that win, huh? If I can make it. If if Chris is in my split again next year. Well, uh, let's let's turn it back to so good finish. I mean, Josh, you still had a good run. Yeah, I mean, still top ten and P six at the end of it. Yeah. So and you led some laps, so you have a lot to be proud of. I mean, that was a good run. Thank you. All right, and then Chris. I mean, what? Tell us what your thought was. I mean, I was I was kind of giving you some ideas. You were executing very well on those ideas, and then all of a sudden he pulled over. We're like, "What is he out of fuel?" I mean, what were you thinking? I think Chris was having some mic issues. He looked like he heated up. A few oh, times. okay. Yeah, oh, it was I crazy. <laughs> I bumped the button. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um... Actually, when he first just started to pull over, I thought he was letting me by because I thought he was going to do the same thing to me that I was trying to do to him. He, he was going to try to get that big run and pass me on the last lap. And then, But when he just completely stopped, yeah, I had no clue. That was actually the first thing I thought he had some kind of, you know, it was a medical emergency or a family emergency, you know, something serious. Because, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a disconnect. He pulled over and stopped. I was like, man, something serious had to go down in this guy's house for him to pull over his car after running three hours. And that's another thing, too. It was a full-length race. So, I mean, it, you have to run for so long and keep your car clean just to get to the point where we were. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good point. I mean, you run three and a half, four hours. You have, like, literally four minutes left or something. You don't just pull over. I mean, my house could be burning down. And go, by God, I'm going to take that caution before I get up and go put the fire out. Yeah, exactly. I'll say to you, what happened? What happened? You know, that you know, he had to pull over. It, it had to be serious. Yeah. And, and uh, I never would have pulled over if I didn't feel like I had to. And and like I was saying, my spotter was telling me, dude, if you need to pull over, pull over. Because he was hearing me on, on my mic. Just I was I was freaking out at the end of it. And by the end of it, I was yelling, like, my hands, I can't move my hands. 
So, Chris, your first big win in iRacing, really. Uh, so, congratulations, man. That's uh, well earned. You, yeah, I mean, you ran a bunch of starts and, and you had a bunch <laughs> of bad races. Now, Chris, I want to ask you one more thing. You had told me when you went into this race, I'm going to do it differently than I've done the rest of the week. The rest of the week, I always get wrecked. I always get caught up. So what did you do differently this time? And then you win it. Well, yeah, yeah like I, said, I ran a lot of these races, and it seemed like every single race, whether it was open or fixed, it was the, you know, the, five, the top five were on the lead lap, and that was it. And I had told myself in a lot of the races I was going to start from the back. I was going to take it easy. But you'll start from the back, and then the racer in you, you know, kicks in, and 30 laps, you're you're running with everybody. You might not push it to the front, but you're still running in a pack in the back. You're running with other cars, and this time I just I stayed to that strategy. I'm just gonna I literally pulled to the onto the back stretch all the way until like halfway through the race, and I just dropped straight to the back of the field. I mean, off the lead draft. Just, just figuring because the leaders are only going to get you know a second or so on you as long as you can stay with another car or even by yourself. And how often are you going to run, especially in those lower splits? How often are you going to run 40 laps straight without a caution? And yeah, it worked out. Like I said at the end of the race, um, I think it was just uh, myself and Josh that didn't have banged up cars. I think there was a couple more um, up in the front, but they uh, wrecked themselves. Uh, towards the end of the race yeah that, that that was that was about what uh about 20 or so ago there was a wreck but there was no caution yeah yep yeah and i think there was a couple of wrecks and i that I, when i decided to start racing and i was running um in the top five and actually even backed out of that mess because you could see that they were getting a little crazy i think josh made it through because he was leading i made it through because i laid back a little bit and you know those guys other guys running the top five just wrecked each other just racing too hard well, great win. Um, I mean, max points, too. I mean, you can't start the season off better than that. So, good job. Uh, Tyler Conroy, in a different split, he wins again. Twice in the same t- day, he won the 500. He won the open and the fixed. And I actually uh, spotted him uh, during the last few laps of his race again. And uh, I. I hope I had something to do with him winning. I think I might have. I was giving him some good ideas about stay tight and how to restart and side draft more than he, you know, he would be side drafting. I'd say, no, 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 you got to do more, 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 or, or, you know, that kind of stuff. I was really coaching him on, you know, how to do it. And he obviously has the talent and he wins again. I mean, so that's three 500 wins within this team uh, this week. So I'm very, very proud of that. So. Good job to everybody. Uh, other results from Sunday night. Greg Hectus, another new newcomer to the team. He had computer issues all week. Uh, he had to wipe out his system and start over. Uh, but he ended up running Sunday night. He started fourth. Uh, ran up front for the first little bit, but was involved in a wreck. Uh, and um, it ended up 30th after a blown engine. So, bummer for Greg. And then... Newcomer Phil Linden, uh, who we met last week on the podcast, P5 in his first ever NIS race. Uh, he's never been in the NASCAR iRacing Series yet. Uh, he did qualify P8, st- stayed in the top 10 all race, avoided three wrecks, had five cautions, and one green flag pit stop. He did find a few buddies and worked their way up the ranks. Uh, he was on track for a P3 or a P4 
but uh, pushed the tires too hard and uh, ended up crossing the finish line backwards for the P5. So he was excited. He was pumped for the P5. He was, it was I mean, it was just like, because Chris won, Tyler won, and then Phil had a P5. He was stoked. Yeah, good good for all these guys, um, you know, especially Phil for his first NIS race ever. I mean, that's going to be a huge boost of confidence for him. And, uh, you know, heck, a fifth place finish is not, you know, it, it's tough to get. Yeah. yeah and then... Especially on these full length races. I mean, yeah, that's that's another thing. Adding that in, I mean, just making it to the end and having a car that's capable of being in the top five is, is huge. Yep. And there's been a lot of attrition in these races, so uh, I'll I'll end it up with my result for Sunday night. Um, I got wrecked out, flat over, ran over again, just like the first uh, race of the week, uh, going down the back stretch, single file. He would not stop pushing. I was verbal. I said I got on the radio. I mean, now I think I just need to move out of the way, just pull out a line if somebody's yeah. doing that. It's crazy. So it, it's like three or four times, you know, it's happened. Uh, the same guy wrecked me. Later in the race, he wrecked another guy doing the same thing. And um, he doesn't get it. I mean, what did these people think? I, I It is so irritating to me that people just run through you. You know, it's crazy. Uh, top split of the NIS was broadcast by race spot TV. I didn't see who won it, but it was quite a finish. Uh, they did post up the last two laps, uh, two minutes of the race on, uh, their Twitter handle at, at race spot TV, uh, pretty crazy finish. Looked kind of like a lot of the races we saw where, uh, a Rex, the top five take out the field. So. That seems to be a common occurrence. Uh, people are trying so hard because it is the 500. All right, let's jump to uh, Atlanta is next, guys. We've been working on sets. Uh, we've been trying the different sets we have within the team. I did some practice before the podcast. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Atlanta is treacherous. It is by far and away the most loose track I think I've ever raced on. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a tough run this week. Actually, I've just been putting in some laps. I just did about 20 laps and I had a good run going and just caught it a little bit right in the wall. Uh... Yeah. Down in my basement splits, it's going to be another attrition week. I think if you can just keep your car on the track, keep the fenders on it the whole time, you're going to have a good finish. Yeah. If you think people bumping at Daytona is bad, wait till they start bumping at Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be very high attrition. If people have not practiced, those guys are going to wreck for sure because it's all about throttle control. If you're not smooth on the throttle coming off too, it'll spin down the back. That's what I've learned. It's two. It's actually, I don't know, but the set I'm using two is pretty stable. It's, it's four coming off a of four where it gets super slick and the back tires don't want to grip. So if you're coming off a of four and you just mash it, you're going to go around. Yeah. So I'm still undecided about which set we're going to, I'm going to run. 
Uh, there's a couple favorites, I guess, that were kind of different people like. Uh, but it, they're hard. I mean, even the fixed is really hard. It's slick. It's real easy to overdrive it and slide the tires and just ruin it for later. All right, so that's Atlanta. Let's get it done, guys, and keep the momentum up after a good Daytona. Let's talk about Road to Pro. We did run that last week, Tuesday night, Daytona Trucks. I ended up P29, eight laps down from a lost Internet connection. And it's not really my Internet in my house. It's my stupid computer. And it's done it before, but it's never done it in a race. But, like, I'll be sitting here reading Facebook or going through email, and the computer will just act like a cable got unplugged. In fact, that's a little pop-up that comes up. It says, your Ethernet cable has become unplugged. Well, obviously, nothing's unplugged. If I reboot the computer, it fixes the issue. But uh, after rebooting and whatnot, eight laps down, so I, I stayed in it and just tried to, gather whatever points I could, and there was no attrition, really, so 29th is what I got. Uh, Tony, you had the best run of the week. Uh, dang it, you almost won this thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it was so close, and um, uh, did I have a chance at the end? No, not really. I just, I couldn't get the run. Um, I needed another lap. I might have been able to put some pressure on there. Um but it was a good race, like going up there, a lot of wrecks. Um, and I, I, you know, I think it was just, I had luck on my side being able to, to weave my way through all those wrecks and stuff. At one point I had a guy completely uh, facing me as he's sliding out. Like I was, I was staring directly at his, his helmet. Um, he was that close and uh, it was, um, it was crazy, but uh yeah, near the end, I mean, I was right up front. Um, I was sitting about P3, and uh, I uh, they, they brake checked me a little bit, um, and I kind of got a little squirrely and ended up taking a guy out, which I felt really bad for. Um, he's he's probably swearing at me, and, and that was well-deserved. Um, but uh, I did end up uh, P2 at the end of it. Um, Really, really happy with that finish. Um, and that truck, that setup was fast. Holy cow. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, Chris, you were in uh, Tony's split. Uh, tell us about your run. You guys were running together for a while. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of ran in the back there at the beginning of the race, from what I remember. But um, I got caught up in an early wreck, hit pit road, and was lapsed down early. Uh, the P12 was basically just from sticking it out. And till the end, I was pretty beat up. Really wish yeah. we could have, me and Tony could have hooked up at some point. Because man, just having a, having a teammate in the same split with you is such a a huge advantage. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to the end like he was. Well, it was a huge advantage, and you know we were we were able to um, you know uh, connect there for a few laps, which actually you you helped push me, um, you know, past a bunch of guys that were kind of all over the track and. Uh, you know, maybe I wouldn't have got a P2 if you weren't, uh, you know, behind me pushing me through all that stuff. Yeah, actually, I think right about that time is when that wreck happened. I think those were the same guys that I didn't make it past. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So, a good start for you for the points in the Road to Pro. In fact, uh, we'll talk a little bit later. The points were all jacked up. 
I think you were in the top 50 after that P2, uh, for a while anyway, until they fixed it. Yeah, for a blink of the eye, I kind of felt like a bit of a hero. <laughs> I had some crappy luck myself starting out that, that race. Oh, hey, Phil. Uh, glad you uh, joined us there. Tell us about your run. Ah, uh, well, uh, seeing as I thought I had a wonderful setup, I'm sitting here like uh my head, my nose all in the air, like I've gotten everything figured out, ready to go race, jump out on the track when the race starts, and the gas pedal doesn't work. Someone in the shop left the cable off. I had to pull off to the side, restart it all, and get back out nine laps down. Yeah, and you can't get that the, that many laps back. It's too hard. Not, not when a single file restarts, you can't. Right. Yeah, and what a mess was that? Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, we're expecting, you know, normal NASCAR rules there's no lucky dogs and a single file restarts i mean what in the world yeah somebody uh dropped the ball on that one for sure well i hope they did get it straightened out for next time uh teammate james o'brien he finished uh 18th after being involved in two uh, minor wrecks uh, so nothing too notable there but uh road to pro again is when vegas yeah, it's next week in Vegas. I was going to say, I finished 18th as well, Mike. I got, I qualified 5th, thinking I'm going to have a good run. Five laps in, somebody turns me. 37 laps down. Ouch. Uh, people can't drive. So it's a week from tonight, Vegas. Uh, Will, you're uh, taking leadership on our sets there, and uh, you got something for us. I haven't tried it yet, though. Yeah, I got some feedback today in the uh, the group chat and it sounds good so i'm really excited i hope you guys like it um i spent a lot of time on it unfortunately this week i won't be able to do too much on it as far as tweaking it because i'm kind of rebuilding my rig here but yeah no i really hope you guys like it it felt quick and i'm excited so um hopefully next week we're talking about how fast it was <laughs> yeah vegas I'm which is a good one. that's a good track for the trucks i mean what do you guys think I'm excited. Love- yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat, Chris. I, I love Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is always good for the trucks. Yeah. Just the trucks in general are freaking awesome. They're really full throttle all the way around there. Um, but with the fixed set, it it starts to get really tight through a run. Like, by lap 10, it's way too tight. So I had that thing kind of set so you could kind of flat foot it. I did a 25-lap run and would only have to lift a tiny bit towards the end of that coming off the corner. So I'm hoping we're we're set there. I think that's where I'm going to make up some points, uh, finishing 29th in the uh, Daytona. I believe I'm gonna, I should make a good comeback with the uh, mile and a half. So I'm, uh, that's mainly what my background is, running mostly trucks. I finished third in the official season last season, the last long season, so I'm I'm looking forward to this. Trying to figure out the new build has been a handful, but I'm ready. Yeah, so we got a week to test and make sure we get, we're get we set for that. After my bad run, yeah, I'm looking for redemption myself. All right, let's talk uh, Peak and uh, Peak Antifreeze Series. That's going to be what we alternate with with the Road to Pro. So since we're not racing tonight, that means the Peak Boys are, and they are running Daytona tonight. And uh, I think I'm probably going to watch this uh, after the podcast. I'll at least check the end out. These guys usually are pretty good about piling up. It's kind of uh, entertaining. 
Yeah, I'm going to follow you on that one. Um, actually, I'll, I'll be uh, running it on my on my top monitor while I uh, shake down some sets tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Multitask. I actually have the open practice right now up. It looks like they got about five, six people in there. So all those peak drivers are starting to get ready now, right now. Yeah. So now they've been advertising it on the the public iRacing.com page uh, with the schedule, talking about the kickoff at Daytona and whatnot. Um, yeah. Any favorites, uh, championship favorites before they start? I really hope um, that Chaos crew out of Richmond starts doing really well. Um, I think it'd be really cool to um, see them do well with like some NASCAR backing. Well, even though it's just a track and not a full NASCAR team, I think if they do really well, I think other teams are going to want to hop on board other tracks and really help the series grow. Yeah, Marcus Richardson is really good. I mean, he just needs some luck. I forgot about that. Who are their drivers? Who did they pick up for that? Yeah, it's Marcus Richardson, Logan Clampett. He finished second last year. Uh, Michael Conti, um, who's a champ. Uh, and then a couple others. I'm really pulling for Michael Conti tonight. Yeah, I think Casey Kerwin is somebody to watch for. Uh, he's really fast right now, so check him out too. All right, let's jump into uh, topics. Uh, Tony, you're first. Okay, well, um, first topic, I mean, we, we've touched on it already, and that was uh, um, but what happened in the uh, Road to Pro race. Uh, big issues, you know, single file restarts. Um, there's no lucky dog, no waiver rounds. Oh, um, and the points. Oh, yes, and, and, and the points. Um, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent on how they, they did that, but you know, a guy like me, I'm a, you know, second from bottom split. Um, there's no way that I should have been anywhere near that, uh, 50, uh, 50 place mark. Um, but those got all screwed up too. They were. And the way it was scored is every split was equal as far as the amount of championship points that were awarded pretty much. So bottom split got as many points as top split. That's the way I understood it. Which is kind of a neat idea, but honestly, yeah, it doesn't really work. So they did fix it. Uh, but it, it obviously dis, you know, caused a lot of discussion in the forums, you know. But, I mean, it's such a big race. It was so well publicized. It was such a huge turnout. Uh, David, tell me, I think we saw one over 1,000 people register for that race for the road to pro yeah they brought a thousand people yeah that's a huge amount i mean i i don't no i've I've never seen that number before yeah that's big and so when they screw it up and their single file restarts i mean it seems so obvious to us to, to us the drivers i mean how can they screw this up well, Tyler Hudson, he did post uh, about it uh, a few times. Um, he said there was an error creating the series. Moving forward, I have requested ability to double and triple check all the series settings before it goes live. 
I think developing a small team to help with that, along with myself, could help prevent these type of situations in the future. So it sounds like he has an idea to fix this on a go-forward basis. Um, because if it's just one guy who does it and he drops the ball, then he drops the ball. Yeah, and I, and I believe Tyler did uh, finish off with a post confirming that, you know, there is a few other guys that are going to have their eyeballs on things just to make sure that uh, something like that doesn't happen again. So they did what they called rerun the results through the database to calculate the correct points. And they did redo them, apparently. So. Yeah, yeah, that's um, they said everything should be all good. Now, I haven't gone in and, and checked, but, um, you know, I, I know I should be down there pretty, pretty darn far. Right. But uh, at least they, you know, acknowledge they've made a mistake and they are doing something different than normal to correct it. Okay, Will, what's next? All right, seems like we pretty much covered most of what went on with the Road to Pro. Um, next post after that is uh, somebody asked, how does iRacing determine which track is... Um, built next, so the way they picked the process. And Shannon Whitmore posted up um, a really funny, I hopefully not true story of how they picked the tracks. Um, the process, and I'm gonna read this off here. The process used to be this: we had rune stones. We get in a circle, and Kamer would giggle or jiggle the stones while Steve Myers and Greg Hill danced to the Macarena to Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. Randy, Gra Randy, Grant, Kevin, and I would whisper a chant, the chant is a secret, and that would happen for exactly 86 seconds. Kamer would throw the stones up, and then, and where they landed, we drank a shot of cinnamon schnapps and poured a shot onto the runestones. Then someone would randomly shout out the track, and that's how the list of tracks was created. So, kind of a long post there, hard to read through, but just a little fun on how iRacing used to pick how they develop tracks. Pretty funny. Yeah, Shannon Whitmore, he's the guy who used to be the director of competition at iRacing. He no longer is employed at iRacing. I understand he works for John Henry, um, the founder of iRacing, uh, doing some other jobs. So pretty funny, I thought. Um, All right, I'll take the next one. Let's see. It is uh, a group called Gen X Racing has uh, put up a website, genxracing.com, where they're going to provide public we uh, sets for the ACAR uh, throughout the NASCAR season. And um, it sounds like uh, later in the thread, uh, Mr. Uh, John Hammer, who's a friend of a podcast, uh, was offering to uh, put up his uh, sets with theirs and and get a common place for these. I don't know if that worked out, but hey, if you're looking for sets, guys, uh, try Gen X Racing. Um, it looks like they have pretty good eye rating. Some of the drivers involved. I just tried their Atlanta set. It's way looser than what we got. Loose, huh? I think this is great that these guys are doing this. Um, you know, 
I know there's a lot of guys out there that just use the fix set to to run the uh, to run the open series um, for you know various reasons. Um, now we got to you know get a few guys there that that know how to build sets and and uh, let these other guys that you know don't know how to build sets or don't have time to build sets um, so they can still come out and enjoy the the open side of racing and uh, you know kind of boost those numbers up a little bit. I think it's great. Yeah, you don't see this in past years a lot where people are share, openly sharing good sets. Um, I think it'll help drive participation to open, you know. Like you said, to people that don't have time, hey, they can just pick up one of these sets and race because it's got to be better and fixed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like, you know, good on these guys like uh, John Hammer and um, these other fellas. I don't have my link open. Gen X Racing, um, you know, for for doing that for everybody that's that's awesome yeah very good job guys keep it up uh, we'll probably end up using some of those sets i don't know, david you said it was pretty loose it was loose i mean i i i could barely get around the track with it so i'm going back to the 1.5 um i think that's what i'm going to run tomorrow night for the open it seems pretty stable and i can i'm not like putting blistering laps down i mean i'm doing i just did a 31.662 i don't know how, you know how fast that is but since Atlanta has no grip. <laughs> All right. All right, Tony, what's next? Oh, this, uh, uh, a post about the cushions. Will, I think I'm going to let you take this one here. This is your forte. This is all about the dirt stuff, and I don't understand much of it. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's been a few months now, but Tyler Hudson mentioned the progress they were making um, as far as the dirt side went, tire wear, the cushion, and they are basically if you're not aware the cushions pretty much the dirt that builds up the fresh dirt that gets thrown to the high side of the track and usually it will make a almost like a berm that you could kind of hit that has a lot of grip a lot of speed in it but if you hit it too hard or you hit it wrong it could really suck you in and send the car for a ride um and that was one thing the dirt surface was missing well with the next march build we are going to get a cushion up on the high side um Tyler Hudson mentioned it's not the way they wanted it. It's not exactly what they're after, or how do I say this? Um, it's, it's not, not quite ex- there, yeah. Yeah, it's not quite what they wanted, but it's definitely better than what we have, and it's really a high-risk, high-reward situation. So um, I'm glad to see them making a positive, um, positive process on that. I love dirt racing, but not having that cushion really, really makes it one groove. So hopefully with that, we get more grooves going and some better racing. Yep. All right, next topic. Uh, Tyler also posted up looking for the season two schedules from the community. Um, the deadline has come and gone, guys. So if you didn't get it done, you do not get to help choose the uh, tracks for season two. Um, so it's pretty cool that they're taking uh, user input on that. But it looks like a lot of these forum posts from the various series it uh, doesn't look like the community actually did squat. It only did it in the more popular ones. So, for example, the Advanced Mazda MX-5 Cup uh, is the one I'm looking at right now, and nobody gave him a schedule for it, so nobody cares about MX-5 Cup, I guess. Yeah, I really think it's kind of a double-edged sword because they want community feedback, 
but those series are dead. And I hate to say it, the forum layout for a lot of those series isn't the best. Well, the forum sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you could have, like, the Proto GT series, which has, like, four or five cars. But instead of having a Proto GT forum, we have one for each individual car. So, I feel like that, on top of the fact that they're already dead series, I don't really know what kind of feedback they expected to get. Right. In those situations, I think they really need to, one, reorganize the forum. And then do something else to get those series back alive. Because at the moment, like I, like I don't know what type of feedback they expect when nobody runs it. The forum's hard to read. Like, there's so many negatives. It's really cool that they're out there asking us what we want. And it's just kind of counterproductive. I think they need to do other things first before they start worrying about what kind of schedule we want. Right. Yep. All right. Uh... Tony, you're next. Yeah, so um, at Cody Tabor 18 um, tweeted iRacing, uh, Steve Myers, and uh, that. So I see the Charlotte Roval is on the NIS schedule. When is the ETA on that June or September build? Um, <laughs> Steve Myers uh, come back and said, it's penciled in there, to be honest. We have already scanned the new configuration once and need to go back again now that it has changed once more so um i don't know about you guys but uh i i really hope this uh penciling in gets changed to ink because uh this track sounds like a lot of fun uh i'm really looking forward to it and i wish they'd quit changing it so uh <laughs> so we could be able to race there in the fall i think they're done changing it so they just need to get it scanned and like i we talked about on a previous podcast boy if they get it done by the june build then the NASCAR drivers will probably actually use it for training, you know, and it really, it would be a good idea to get it done. I hope they can get it scanned soon. All right, uh, Will, what's next? All right, so we ended up with another Twitter post from Steve Myers. Um, Someone asked, wasn't Kokomo supposed to be the next dirt track? And Steve Myers replied, it was the next dirt oval to go into development. Behind the dirt ovals we were working on. Limeland and Charlotte are coming out next. Kokomo will be the next dirt oval to be, re- to be released after those two. So it sounds like the poll they ran on the World of Outlaw website, that was to get us past Limeland and Charlotte, which were already in production. Oh. And Charlotte ain't going to happen until they scan it again, so. Well, this is the Charlotte dirt track. So right next oh. to the... Yeah, right. In fact, if you're in blip mode on the Charlotte track, uh, the NASCAR side, you can actually see the dirt track off to the side. So it's going to be the Charlotte dirt track, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a half mile. And then Lima Land, which is a short quarter mile. So we have those two um, that should hopefully, it sounds like, make the next build. Kokomo after that. And then who knows from there. I know they've already started scanning the Chili Bowl. So I'm... Not sure what the next thing after Kokomo is, but at least we know what the next three tracks are going to be. Yep. All right, very cool. That that Charlotte Dirt Oval is outside the big oval, right? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like outside turns one and two. Like the um, drag strip, too, yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a really nice track. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I remember it being kind of... Oh, shoot. I think it's it's a half mile. I can't remember how banked it is, but... I think it'll be a great addition to the sim because it's 
right there in the heartland. I think a lot of people race there. It's a common, a popular track in the racing world. So yeah, it'll be a good addition. Cool. Cool. All right. Next topic. Uh, it was on Twitter, Indianapolis motor speedway tweeted up a picture of a iRacing simulator that they've put together uh, for the Indy 500 coming up. And uh, it's pretty cool, guys. It's an actual IndyCar chassis, a DW12, retrofitted uh, for iRacing. And uh, they kind of cut out the little cockpit so you could easily get into the seat. And they got a big old, you know, 50-inch monitor there. And uh, it's on some kind of platform. I don't think it's uh, moving or anything, but they can, like, roll it around. Pretty cool. Uh, what do you think about making a cockpit out of an Indy car? Sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's an expensive dream. Right. Well, pretty cool uh, simulator. If you go to the Indy 500, you'll probably be able to, to you know, race in it and check it out. Okay. Tony, what's next? Uh Chris Burgess threw a post up on uh, on the forums. Um, is there cheating on iRacing? Now, his write-up is pretty good, so I'm just going to read it. This topic is almost taboo, but I wonder about it all the time. How much confidence can we have that everyone is competing on an even playing field? Is it possible that grip weather hacks still exist? Or does EAC do a good job of preventing that? I'm genuinely curious. It happens in other online games after all. I have no reason to believe it is happening here, and I really hope it isn't, but I guess we wouldn't know if some alien is two seconds faster because of their supreme talent or because of something more sinister. Curious to know what others think. Um, found that really interesting. I Actually, to be honest with you, I never even really thought about it. It didn't look to me any of my experiences that uh, you know people are cheating, and I know if um, you know people even try to, to skirt stuff, iRacing comes down pretty hard on on them uh for for just trying that like exploits and stuff like that so what are your guys's thoughts boy i don't know i i don't think it's happening i really don't i think that i racing is in front of it i think that the addition of the eac and the kind of stuff that they're checking and doing is extreme and uh you know if somebody is getting away with it they're pretty damn smart you know I don't think I don't think it's worth the risk. I don't think it's happening because if it does happen, I'm sure it's happening on a new user, new account. You know, they might try some kind of hack, they get busted and banned. You know, somebody that's been somebody that's matter, somebody that has a you know been around for a year or two has a high I rating. They're not going to take that risk. It's just not worth it. I don't think. I'm glad they fixed the one where you could leave right before the room, or right before the room started, within like two minutes of the begin. You know, the end of the practice or something like that and then come back and you get a cooler weather yeah i've heard that too they worked that one over we had uh i work i run in a league i'm not going to mention the name then um and we had several guys we got to wondering why right before the race the whole crew of them would leave and then come back right before the race started and then uh and they were dominating pretty good and we got to checking into it and found out that's that's what was going on yeah but the exploits in the traditional sense i mean for something like iRacing or you know, extremely hard to do. It's not like it's an FPS where you can get an aimbot or, you know, stuff like that that's pretty common and generic. I mean, especially, I, you gotta be, like I said, you gotta be damn smart. I don't, 
I don't see people really doing that. I don't think there is anybody cheating on here, to be honest. There's actually a post we have a little further down in the podcast um, mentioning some questioning of cheating. I'll kind of kind of skip a little bit ahead here. Um, but I think if anything happens, we'll have situations where people are going to catch on really quick. I think a lot of iRacers take this very, very seriously. They work really hard. And then all of a sudden, some something strange happens, like people dropping out of a session just before the race and joining them back up or stuff of that nature. I think people work so hard. If something happens, they're going to notice and figure it out really quick. So I think not only do we have iRacing policing it, but we'll police ourselves better than anybody. So Yeah, we yeah. got checking into it right away because it just didn't seem right. And uh, with all the hours, I know myself practicing and working on sets you know it kind of kind of bothered me a pretty good bit and you never every practice race we had up you never seen them yeah. hey phil don't don't you kind of have a funny story about uh your friend wanted to try i racing so you let him <laughs> yeah yeah don't let your friends try i racing and walk away uh i let a buddy of mine go at it and uh he was we were in a hosted race and I told him I was thirsty, so I head upstairs to get some drink. And I come back down, and he's like not racing. I'm like, what happened? He said, I don't know. I got just disconnected. I'm like, okay. You know, I didn't think nothing about it. Next thing I know, I receive a message from my racing that uh, I'm being banned from hosted races for two weeks. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And got in touch with I racing. Had to write a formal letter trying to figure out what was going on. And I called my buddy. He finally owned up to what he did. And yeah, I wrote that letter to Iris, and it took. They still banned me a week, um, but they, you know, I, I explained to him, you know, he what he ended up doing is he got spun or something in the trial, and it made him mad, and he turned around and tried to go backwards on the track and got me banned. Man, doesn't take much, yeah. No, no, and I'm, you know, I, I try to get, I shoot, I tell everybody in the world, everybody I see on a daily basis about my Iris, and, and uh, I, you know. So, I think so. Don't want to be, you know, messed up. And anybody, you know, I tell everybody, all my people I know around here about it, and they like, oh, they get all excited. Like, shoot, I invite them to the house, set them down here in the rig, and let them try it out. And it's the best thing to do is see if you like it before you buy into it. You know, I know I fell in love with it. Yeah, that'd be great use of um, AI when they bring it to the service, where you can have a friend sit down and race against some people where he's not, you know, racing against real people in a real race, but right. also not in a test, you know, a boring test session either. Exactly. Yeah, that will be nice for AI. Yeah, as far as cheating goes, I don't think it's happening, but you never know. Um, yeah, this other story we'll go into later, it will make you th- go hum a little bit, but uh, we'll talk about that. Let's go to the next topic. Uh a pretty cool thread going on the forums called Did You Know? And people are basically putting up little tips and tricks about iRacing. Um, and some of them are pretty useful. So I did write down a few of these um, to read to you guys. Um, this one I, I didn't know. He said uh, Tyler actually posted this one. He said, in the sim, if you press control plus page up and page down, you can change the size of the interface. So, like, the relative box can get bigger or smaller by doing control and then page up and down. That's actually really cool because I use, I think, like, the 66% UI when I'm driving in my VR headset. 
but I like the 100% when I'm working on setups and trying to read that small font. So that's actually really cool. I'm going to have to map that somehow or use an audio command, but... Yeah, map really it to cool. a button. Uh, here's the next one uh, David Tucker put up. Holding the shift key while incrementing values while in the garage will make them increment in larger steps. So like you're done qualifying, got to remove your tape from 100% down to whatever. It takes forever to click that to go down to 50. Well, if you hold down the shift, it'll go way faster. Uh, the next one was also David Tucker. Um, you can actually type into the chat while in the sim uh, to get a list of radio commands. You type the at symbol help. For a list of pit stop commands, you type pound help or hashtag help. For a list of admin commands for hosting, you type exclamation point help. So those are pretty cool. And it gives you a list of all the commands when you type that and hit enter. Uh, the next one was... I haven't tried this one. David Tucker says, in the app INI uh, file under graphics, there's something called the drive UI full screen equals one that lets the driving screen expand onto the side monitors. And if you set the session UI full screen equal one, it lets the replay screen expand onto the side monitors. So the uh, user interface part of the sim, like if you're out of the car and you have the stuff across the top and the bottom, you can have that on the single monitor in the middle if you have triples, or you can expand it to all three. Uh, that's a little confusing. Uh, the next one, and I've used this one. This is pretty handy, especially if you're on a team. If you go edit a file on your computer, it's under Documents, iRacing, Scripts, Radio, Launch.txt. If you go to that and edit that with a notepad, you type in a custom radio channel name, like uh, at Team Tifosi or something like that, and you save it. Every time you go into the sim, it'll automatically create that channel. And so when you go to change up and down on your channels, that custom one will be in the list automatically. So lots of good tidbits. Uh, do you guys have any others I didn't mention? Uh, if you don't wreck, you're probably going to finish better. I think a lot of people don't know that, but... <laughs> um... No, to be honest, they covered some really, really cool stuff. I know if you do run in an Oculus, there are times where it loses sync and you start to drop frames. I believe if you click uh, Control, Number Pad 1, that desyncs and resyncs it, which brings your frame rate back up. For a while there, I actually had that mapped to a button on my wheel. And the only time I really had issues was during the 24 hours of Daytona. When I got that many cars on track and that many shadows going, I would press the button and it would pretty much drop it to 45 frames for just a moment, then bring me right back up to 90 frames a second. But turning off the shadow maps at night helped a ton, so I had to 
haven't done it in a while. So but that's the only thing I could really think of that took me a little research and was pretty much helpful on a daily basis. Right. All right, Tony, what's next? Oh, we got a Twitter post. Um, says, uh, from iRacing, says, uh, check out episode three of Behind the Wall at Bubba Wallace. Uh, we managed to sneak in there. Thanks for the kind words. Um, the, the, I went to go click on the link, but the link, uh, wouldn't let me, wouldn't let me play the, play the video. So I didn't get to see this, but, uh, um, sounds like, uh, Bubba Wallace is, uh, sending some iRacing some love. Yeah, it's a pretty cool uh, video series that he's doing. Uh, he's with this NBA rookie named Malik Monk, and he's showing him around Richard Petty Motorsports. And uh, they actually have a rig set up there in the race shop uh, with Oculus Rift. He's got an AccuForce wheel. Looks like maybe Fanatec pedals and shifter. Uh, single monitor. And he's showing him how to iRace, and uh, he put him in the car and let him try it, and then he got in and did some laps and kind of showed him how it's done and kind of talked it up. And They have it in the race shop for a reason. It's a tool for him to get ready for the races, so pretty cool. Okay, so uh, Will, what's next? So we can have some more talk about whether iRacing should or should not be for team racing. And Tyler Hudson uh, posted up in the forums, iRacing should not be on for team racing. There was a bug in the system causing some iRacing exchanges and sessions that shouldn't have happened. The engineers are working to fix the issue, and they're also working to remove exchanges that happened in those sessions. It is also It also was not exchanged properly. Sorry for any confusion. It's a system bug that will be corrected. In the event that iRating is turned on for team events, it will, it will be in the release notes. Yeah, so there's more to this story. So what happened, with, this was a Saturday. The guys ran their team events like normal, and all of a sudden their iRating changed. Well, wait, we talked about this last week. They were talking about doing it. But all of a sudden it works. It's just on it. Everyone had different I-rating exchanges. So anyway, um, what happened was is earlier in the morning, Tyler actually posted up and somebody actually caught a, a screenshot of it in a subsequent post. Uh, he had posted, I-rating will now be distributed in all official team sessions. And then later in the day, he wrote, iRacing, well, later what happened is he erased the thread that included what he had typed earlier. That got deleted. And then he posted again, iRating should not be on for team racing. There was a bug in the system. And so it sounds like, I'm not sure what happened. Tyler had a bad day or something. So it sounds like he turned it on. And he probably shouldn't have, and then they turned it back off. I don't know. Uh, next topic. Uh, we did get a message from a listener, Brandon Grace. Uh, hey, Mike, I just wanted to thank you for doing your podcast every week. Your podcast is the reason I joined iRacing last year. I took my time last year in the NIS series learning how to drive the A car. 
I just raced my first Daytona Open NIS and got third. Just wanted to say I really enjoy listening to you guys every week, and I've learned a lot about iRacing from your podcast. You guys are doing a great job. Well, how about that? Well, that's that's awesome. And so he started iRacing from because of listening to this podcast. Now, how cool is that? I, yeah, he found us first. Yeah, or something. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't really expect that, but uh, definitely welcome that. That's cool. Yeah, the podcast is growing. We'll talk about that in another story, but uh, yeah, it's great to hear these kind of stories. I love it, guys. If you have something to say, just let us know. Uh, You know how to find me, Uh, but we'll read it on the podcast if you send me a note like that. But hey, congratulations, Brandon Grace, on the third place. Uh, Good job at Daytona. Okay, um, Tony, you're up next. Uh, NASCAR quote. Yeah, yeah, we got, uh, there's an article um, posted on foxbusiness.com, and uh, the, the title says, NASCAR taps into eSports to recruit young fans drivers. Um, a little excerpt that I'll read here. NASCAR's invested in new ventures targeting both serious virtual drivers and casual gamers part of a strategy to leverage the fast-growing esports industry to help build a new generation of fans. Uh, Byron, William Byron, began his racing career online, competing in hundreds of races in the globally popular simulation game iRacing. His rapid ascent through NASCAR's ranks is one piece of evidence that esports can steer drivers and fans to the sport. Um, That's a really nice nice little article. um, You know, kind of saying what we we've been saying now it now it's 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 getting further and further out into the um into the public eye um getting a i racing is getting a lot of love from a lot of places and i know that dale Earnhardt jr he's brought up a few times that uh like somebody like josh barry like he became really close to josh barry using i racing and uh because of that he he decided because of how well he ran on the service he decided that he was going to give him a shot in a car and it's paid off pretty well for him so far. I mean, from a guy who uh, who didn't really race before, works out for him. Yeah, and this is big, guys. Foxbusiness.com. This is a business website that talks about stocks and trading and financial institutions and banking. And they're talking about NASCAR. Uh, now, there's actually a quote from the NASCAR Vice President of Consumer Innovation, Blake Davidson, Uh, confirming that NASCAR is involved in this. Uh, The quote is, young drivers are coming along and they can relate to this young demographic. Gaming and esports are a natural fit. To leverage the stars of NASCAR through esports to attract new fans is really authentic. So I guess that's a confirmation that they're they're working on it. (laughs) But uh, we know the teams are. NASCAR's obviously got to be involved too, so it it is coming together, guys. Yeah, it's 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 coming together, and it's it's looking pretty cool. Um, I mean, you know, even during the uh, during the Daytona, Jeff uh, Jeff Jeff Gordon was uh, referencing iRacing just before the race, um, saying you know kind of the same thing there. Yeah, he said it right on the broadcast, huh? I think it's just really nice to see NASCAR taking advantage of gaming or sim racing a lot more. I grew up with every NASCAR game from, I think, NASCAR 2000 
on my PlayStation one. And that's how I got to know some of the drivers as far as like the mid packers and the backpackers that you, you don't get mentioned in the show. And like, I grew up with gaming and NASCAR working in unison. Now I do iRacing and it's definitely much more than a game. So I think, um, it's a great way to we- reach out to more people and help grow NASCAR as a sport. Plus esports is such a huge market that's constantly growing. If they could get talent from sim racing to the professional level, that's something no other esport can do. Um, Madden doesn't relate to football talent in any way. Um, Call of Duty doesn't relate to anything. League of Legends. But sim racing, iRacing in general, does relate to NASCAR in multiple ways, not just in the ability to drive and learn the tracks and the mental challenges. And I think there's a huge opportunity and a huge potential for NASCAR, and I'm glad to see them finally get on it because... I feel like there hasn't been a lot of NASCAR back stuff on the gaming side or in this case, sim racing in like the last decade. So I feel like the fact that they're on top of their stuff now, I think is going to be great for the sport and great for sim racing. Yeah. I'm anxious to see how it comes out. All right. uh, Next topic, uh, Steve Myers and Tony Gardner, who's the CEO of iRacing. We're at the uh, Daytona 500 this uh, last week. And uh, they took they posted up a picture of the Coca-Cola uh, racing family display where they have some really nice iRacing motion rigs set up for uh, fans to uh, try. And there's like a line of people and you can actually go up there. It looks like there's two or three of them and uh, they're taking turns running laps. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, and Coca-Cola has been involved in esports, I would say, quite a bit over the last two to three years so with the relationship they also have with nascar i would wouldn't be surprised if we saw a coca-cola sponsored series or backed um peak antifreeze team um like they they're a huge company that's a great marketing tool for them and it's cool to see them marketing it and doing it all with iRacing yep yeah you're seeing iRacing in all different things you're seeing them behind the grandstands you talked about that, you know, for the fans, and now we're going to have this league with the race teams. Anyway, uh, all right, what's next, Will? So, Mitchell DeJong, I would think we talk about him every week, uh, makes it 10 wins in a row, I believe. So, Wow. Yeah, he won uh, the hashtag Dirt Night. Um, that's the thing where they run the GRC, the late models, and the sprint cars all Friday night um, on the kind of official iRacing broadcast and yeah he picks up number 10 so I think that's every single one they've had so far and he just keeps knocking them off it's impressive man I mean you think he would slip or wreck once I mean what about turn one I mean everyone drives in there like a banshee he never gets wrecked I feel like at this point if I was in those races I would want to be the last guy who causes him to lose a race because I wrecked him. So I feel like they all those people racing with him have to know he's won every race so far. And I'll probably, I don't want to say too conservative, but a little more conservative around him because you don't want to be the, hey, so-and-so wrecked Mitchell DeJong and ruins 10-win streak. Yep. 
All right, Tony, what's next? Well, I'm going to skip this one here and leave it for you. But uh, the next one, um, just pulling up the link there. Um, well, alien, right? Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't you know it, it's uh, it's just rolling really slow. But, um, like, I, I did take a look at this, and I'm just going to shoot from the hip a little bit. But this guy's road stats are absolutely Unbelievable. insane. Insane. What is it, 90-something per, uh, percent win rate? Like, who yeah, does that? 94.9% win rate. He has 439 road starts. He's won 417 of those starts. Um, uh, I've never seen numbers like this on the roadside. No, this is crazy. So he's he's turned a total of 5,738 laps, and he's led 5,525 of those laps. And um, uh, MX5 is looks like what he's running. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so there's a story about this. Will, I mean, you alluded to it before. It has to do with the time attack. And guess what? Remember time attack? They pay money for winning certain things. Well, there's a thousand bucks online for, uh, to win the time attack thing. And apparently this guy came in and uh, blew the socks off these guys and, and took the top spot. And uh, some some of the talk on the forum is, well, wait a minute. Something's weird about this because his incident count is really, really, really high. So how can that work? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's a, kind of a statistical anomaly. Um, he obviously has, I mean, he's an alien in the MX-5, no doubt about that. But he hopped into the limited dirt lane model time attack. And uh, went to the top of the board. Um, now, Cody Byrus was the guy on top for quite a while. And when you look at his stats, he has a, a good number of laps under his belt. Almost 500 laps across all four tracks. And uh, this guy hops in, does 95 laps total, and goes to the top. But where it really stands out is the number of incidents he had. Um, and there's a lot of discussion. Is, is this guy cheating? What's going on? Um, because if you compare like the number of laps versus the number of incidents, not only are Matt, uh, Matt Smith and Cody Byrus way above everybody else in incidents, it's just something doesn't add up. Um, there's a lot of discussion. Is there cheating going on? What's going on? How is this being caused? Um, and the gentleman in third place, he posted up 90 laps, but only has 30 incident points. So we only discussed is cheating a thing in iRacing and how's it being done? And this is one of the topics that kind of caught my eye is something's not added up. There's a reason why they're causing these incidents. Um, yeah. Why do they have such a high incident count if they're the fast ones? And the, one of the things I could think of during my run, um, doing laps for this time attack series, the only time I ever received incidents is when you kind of dive it to the apex of the corner um, but that's really only like a 0x if you scrape it. To get anything higher than a 0x, you're going to have to be slamming that wall. So I don't want to be the guy who's going like, hey, they're cheating. But there's definitely something that needs to be looked at there because something doesn't add up. 
Yeah, more to come for sure. There's a lot of talk. There's four pages here. I mean, one guy, like you said, was saying, hey, they're just running the wall. If they mess up at all, maybe they're spinning themselves out so they can start over or something along those lines. But at this point, there's really no answers about why do they have these abnormal amount of incidents with a, just a short amount of completed laps. One of the things I was thinking of is maybe they're damaging the car in a way to get some kind of aerodynamic advantage. Um, I know they recently added the rear spoiler to the limited late model, which definitely added some more rear grip. Um, my lap times got better when they did that at all tracks except Williams Groves. Um, that track actually kind of slowed me down a little bit cause it's such a tight corner having their rear end free up help. So I don't know if they're they're getting up riding the fence somehow or if they're intentionally damaging their car to get an advantage. Hey, something's going on. Guys, I've been looking at this guy's career stats, at least for road. He doesn't have hardly any incidents for road. That's why I'm kind of... Well, we're talking about time attack is where the issue is. Oh, I know. But I, I like I said, I just happened to click on his name to look at his career stats and his average incidents per road. Oh, yeah. It's really low. Two? It's really low. Yeah, 2.11. So, like... I don't know what's up with the time attack stuff. But well, he's just, like he's like Will said, he's doing it on purpose for some reason. But how how is that benefiting? Mm-hmm. It must be because he obviously doesn't wreck during the regular road races. Yeah, and I mean, I think what really shines a spotlight on this is there's a thousand dollars to win. Um, that's a big deal, and I mean, you could buy a brand new AccuForce wheel for almost that much. So somebody. I don't want to say he's cheating. He might just practice a lot, went out there, did some laps. Maybe he was hitting the inside wall because I know to get a fast lap and you have to be really aggressive. But the number of laps versus the number of incidents, it just doesn't add up properly. User disconnected from your channel. Yeah, he's the real deal. I mean, I've actually Googled his name and you can find a YouTube video that somebody posted of one of his laps going around a, a road course and... And you can see the lap time, and he's the real deal. He is an alien, man. Now, it's also got a column here that says resets. So if you look at his uh, incidents, there are 220 incidents, but there's 217 resets. So maybe that plays into it too, right? Like I, like you said, maybe he knows the lap's not good, so he immediately wrecks and resets. Yeah, well, that it, could be it. But the guy below him is 672 incidents and only 71 resets. So I think they're yeah. calling out both of them. I know, and then but I'm just saying, like, like the guy below them in third is 30 incidents and 15 resets. I mean, everybody has quite a bit of resets here. So I mean, hell, the the guy in eighth, he's got 118 incidents and 180 resets. So, but if you look at his number of laps, he has five almost 600 laps so he's basically getting an incident point every five laps where this guy he's getting i mean he has 95 laps with 220 incidents points that's like he's smashing the car down every lap he's going out there i mean it's the only thing that kind of makes sense crazy well well hopefully we'll find out more about that next topic uh let's talk about the podcast download count Guys, we just hit 10K, 10,000 in 90 days. And that's how they track these podcasts is they look at the rolling 90 days. So over the last 90 days, how many downloads do you do? 
And that's kind of how you determine how good or how big your podcast is. Well, guess what? We hit 10,000 finally. So that means 10,000 downloads every 90 days or or within a rolling 90-day period. Uh, the same period last year in 2017 User at this time channel. was only 5,000. So we've doubled it um, over one year. So incredible growth in the podcast over recent months. Yeah, that's that's huge. Double the <laughs> double the downloads. That's awesome. <laughs> and 10,000, that sounds like a lot. But when you look at the weekly numbers, I mean, our numbers are still somewhere between 400 to 600 regular listeners. But somehow that translates to 10,000. I haven't figured out the math on it, but... Yeah, I also want to shout out everyone who watches on YouTube. We've gone up about 20% as far as subscriber goes since we started posting there again. And now that we're live uh, live streaming it, I just want to uh, shout out everyone who talks in chat. And I, th- I think we're in for a really good year as far as the podcast goes. Yep. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for uh, continuing to listen. We'll continue uh providing a lot of people like it so uh thank you to all the listeners all right tony what's next now you caught me sleeping again um two tires and fuel was a really really slow stop yeah yeah um what i don't understand why um it's broken it has to be yeah, because four tires in fuel is typically about 13. So, yeah, so we're referring to the Daytona 500. And my strategy was to take two tires every time and alternate. And I'm getting 16-second stops, 17-second stops. And they're holding me after the fuel is done. The tires are done. The fuel's done. One 1,000, two 1,000, and then they let you go. And it's insane. I, I, in fact, I probably would have ran better in the 500 if that hadn't happened. And sure enough, I wasn't the only one who noticed. Uh, there was a forum post about this. Uh, Jason Martin uh, indicated, "Hey, if you take two stops, two tires, and fu- full fuel, you know, 14 to 15 seconds. If you take four tires with full fuel, it's only 13 to 15 seconds." But if you take two tires, full fuel, and tape, 16-plus seconds. And so that's kind of what I experienced. The guys who were taking four were getting out sooner than the guys who who took two. I hope they get in, you know, look into that and get it fixed because that really sucks. Because, um, you know, a lot of these races, um, your pit strategy is part of the fun. It's part of the game. I mean, and, and if you can't rely on, you know, being a shorter stop if you're only taking two tires and half the gas and you know, what's the point? Why didn't the airbell just take four tires and gas every time? Now I've been watching the forums to see if iRacing has acknowledged this bug yet. And they have not as, from what I've seen. So as of now, I don't think they even know it. It's a problem, but uh, I'm not worried about it because I'm done doing two tire stops as we go into Atlanta, Vegas, Phoenix, etc. Uh, the four tires is quicker, and so I'm okay if it doesn't get fixed at this point, as long as they fix it before the next restrictor plate. Yeah, no, Tyler Hudson was, uh, he did reply. He said he had some, some trouble with pit stops every time he'd pit from the lead. 
and it'd have a 16 to 19 second pit stop and lose lose a lot of spots. He said he's not sure what is going on there. So they are aware of it. So hopefully we'll get a fix for that soon. Then. Yeah, hopefully he will fix that because it definitely felt broken. Okay, Will, what's next? So it looks like we're going to have a some downtime on the iRacing service on Thursday the 22nd. Um, they're doing some maintenance, so no patch notes or anything posted yet, just the downtime. Yep, that's NIS day, so make sure you update iRacing or give time to update before you uh, jump into a race. All right, that takes us to final topic. Uh, I don't have a link because it's in a Facebook page that is private, but regardless, I got a screenshot of it. Where we were talking about the yellow rule, uh, the yellow line rules at Daytona, and there was a discussion: is can you pass below the yellow line? Yes or no? And uh, Dwayne Cooper had posted, "No, you can't. We follow NASCAR rules." I even posted the same thing. That's my understanding. You cannot. If you do, it's protestable. Well, none other than Nim Cross Jr. Uh, who is the uh, admin at iRacing, he posted up the actual uh, truth here. He says, there is no yellow line rule in iRacing. However, if someone goes below the yellow line and returns to the track without care, causing a crash, they can be protested for intentional wrecking. Oh, wow, that's kind of news to me. I, I, I didn't know that. So I guess you can pass gain position under the yellow as long as you don't wreck them i mean it's it's sketchy though especially at, at daytona i mean just you drop off that banking it really unsettles the car and can shoot you back up the track it's not like talladega where you have a bit more room to do that yeah i yeah and i've always treated that yellow line as a wall you know if you're against it Rest assured, nobody's going to go under there. But now after seeing this, you know, maybe somebody's going to get some ideas. I don't know. I hope not, because people have a hard enough time against the yellow line as it is. I think it's um, I think it's kind of like one of those respect things. You know, hey, I don't want somebody to pass me below the yellow line. It's not right. I'm not going to pass somebody else. Um, I'm kind of glad the fact that it doesn't do like an instant black flag. Um, is kind of cool because, like, what's to stop me from brake checking somebody who has a run and then they pass me on the inside? They get penalized and not me. I feel like watching a lot of the NASCAR racing this week, I think there's some bad calls that were made about the yellow line. Um, but um, I think it's just a respect thing. I think we all know, like, it's not safe to do. We shouldn't do it. I don't think too many things are going to change. Yeah. Yeah, we probably have more respect than the actual NASCAR guys do. All right, let's get into the final topic of hardware. Uh, Will, you take it. Yeah, so it looks like uh, we had somebody post up uh, the Elgato Stream Deck, and they were using it as a button box. Um, I know Elgato makes some really, really nice stuff. Um, I've known about the Stream Box for a little while. I've never once thought about using it as a button box, though. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, this, the way the website looks, they're using it as a stream box. 
So it's a one-button thing to start your Twitch stream or your YouTube Live or whatever stream. So if you're a, a broadcaster, I mean, what do you guys think? Is this something you need or... You know, I think it's a really cool item because you could program like, hey, I'm like automatically post to Twitter. I'm going live or automatically do this. I think it's a really, really good, awesome concept. And I don't know um, if I'd pay that much for a button box, but it is definitely a cool item. Well, the other thing about it, too, is it's not just the deck that you need to buy with it. If you're going to buy the deck, you also need to buy the capture card that goes with it. You have to attach that directly to your motherboard. So you say, hey, I'm going to run twitch it goes through your capture card and makes everything kind of seamless that way you're not having like all these different programs you know in your in your taskbar at the bottom that you can just kind of click one in and out of the other it just makes streaming and editing everything kind of easier kind of a quick launch pretty much like i've looked into it before but like because i was looking into possibly streaming a while back but i I never pulled the trigger on anything like this because then you got to get the capture card it's like 500 bucks to get everything you need wow that's probably not worth it but check it out if you're a streamer um it's called elgato.com e-l-g-a-t-o and that's final topic let's get to final thoughts chris scales what do you got I was ready for Atlanta. Glad to be out of Daytona and, and ran a few practice laps at Atlanta. Man, that place is slick. It's going to be a blast. <clears throat> Very slick. Very slick. Well, congrats on the 500 win, man. And I hope you got a bunch more coming. Uh, David Flowers, what do you got? I'd, I'm excited for Atlanta, too. I just got I, – I was practicing while we were talking. Yeah, it's it's super slick. Um I'm really liking that 1.5 version set that we got. User entered your channel. Handling pretty well. Um, and just so you know, Chris, I'm coming for you. <laughs> you, you better get to racing, man. User I, I disconnected from your uh, channel. I rating this week. You gotta I, do some catching up. I ain't worried about the I rating, man. We in the same division. As long as I beat you in the division standings, that's all I care about. <laughs> all right, uh, cool. Tony Groves, final thought. Well, this week was 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 pretty uh, bittersweet, I guess, from the top of my proverbial mountain, and you know, getting the getting the second place finish to to reckon out on lap fifty. Um, gotta love Daytona, right? So, um, on to Atlanta. Uh, I am loving it that NIS series is back, going full time. This is great. Uh, the the off season sucked. Um, other than that. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm flirting with the idea to start streaming my races. So if anybody wants to see, you know, uh, how well I can crash, uh, come check me out, and I will be uh, posting uh, how to do that uh, using the iRacers Lounge Twitter. Um, we're gonna try getting that rocking a little bit more as well. So stay tuned. All right, very good. Yeah, find us on Twitter. Uh, we got some volunteers that are gonna. Start using that a little bit more. Uh, so we do have at iRacers Lounge. All right, William Gibson, final thought? Uh, not a whole lot here. Um, I had a really good week. Um, even though I wrecked out Daytona, I had ended up getting me a new cockpit to race in. Um, I'm going to spend the next week or so fixing it up and getting all the parts I need to make it run right. Um, I appreciate everybody that stops by and watches the YouTube channel we got going on here. We think we have... Uh, I want to shout out um, uh, Verizian Warcraft for watching, as well as Corey Ryder. 
So they had some nice stuff to say about the podcast. And, All right. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this upcoming season. I'm excited to get my new rig set up, and hopefully we can bring you guys some more great content. Yeah. Obuto, right? Yeah, I've been watching Craigslist for so long, and I got an amazing deal, and um, I'm fixing. I basically got two rigs for half the price of one. So I'm fixing one up. They were a little, little beat up, but nothing that can't be fixed. And once I get the one fixed up, I'm going to start fixing up the second one. Don't know what I'm going to do with it just yet, but... You know, I'm I'm excited. Um, not a great race week, but definitely got some good equipment. All right, that's good. Uh, Josh Styles, thanks for joining us and telling us about your almost win at the Daytona 500. Uh, what's your final thought? My final thought is uh, I keep replaying that 500 over and over and over in my head. But uh, there's always next year. There's always next year, and if uh, if Chris is in that race, I will make sure to take him out. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, owes you one. More to it. <laughs> nice, hey, uh, Mike. I'd... But but seriously, it, it it was a fun race, and uh, thank you guys for having me on the show tonight. All right. Yeah, I think Chris owes you a beer. <laughs> yeah, several sure. beers. <laughs> hey, Mike. I also wanted to say, um, Will and I are also trying to do something. I don't know how it's going to necessarily necessarily work for the podcast, but um. He's my crew chief for this season, so he's doing the uh, OBS for all the races that I'm a part of. So we're kind of going to do this, like, I guess, mini documentary series thing on how the season goes for both of us. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. Will, you're going to stream that either on the team page or the the podcast page? or Yeah, I'll post it up to the... Uh the team pages when I get those things posted. Um, I'm mostly looking towards the road to pro um, as the main series. Cause I don't unfortunately have the time to do both road to pro and an IS, but I think it'll be a fun journey. Um, Myself and David working together. All right. My final thought, uh, boy, I almost felt like I was going to win at the Daytona 500. My confidence was high. I always made it towards the front and got to where I needed to be. And so, man, I just felt like I let one go. And I think those pod, those stupid pit stops, you know, screwed me up where they were slow, um, you know, and then people running over me. And, and so anyway, I'm glad the week's over. I kind of disappointed I didn't get a win. But what I what was the win this week is how this team is coming together right now. We have a ton of new people. We've really upped our ranks. I think we're pretty much full. Um, we have one more recruit or two in the pipeline. But after that, I think we're going to shut the door for a while. We got plenty of people. We had 10 people on our team in uh, TeamSpeak for the Road to Pro, which is like a record. And so uh, if everybody shows up, we're going to have like 15 or 20. So um, it's a pretty pretty cool to have the team excited everybody is working on the sets there's a lot of discussion in the facebook messenger about feedback on sets and which set works better and uh, excitement about the upcoming races and um, it's very exciting to see the team really taking form again so that's what's driving me and with that user in the channel timed out Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.